we are ranking every single horror movie ever made, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's going pretty good. Um, so we're recording this on Easter Sunday, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit of an understatement, but things are a little different now. <laughs> um, yeah, but- there's a before time and an after time. <laughs> We had an egg hunt in our home amongst our uh, just garbage because uh, we <laughs> live amongst boxes. Uh, listen, um, my father-in-law died recently and we had to move a lot of his things into our home because we sold the house and it was really complicated. And uh, then quarantine, so like we have stuff that needs to go to Goodwill that can't go to Goodwill because no one is there to take it. Uh, so we just hid Easter eggs amongst it all. <laughs> you know what? Actually, if you're in a house with lots and lots of shit, you can definitely just be like, "Yeah, uh, so this egg is going to be inside of a microwave that's on top of another broken microwave." This, uh, <laughs> this. Precious moments figurine will <laughs> hide this Easter egg perfectly. See, that's the perfect place to hide it because I would never touch a precious moments figurine because I fear the power they hold. They're, they are some kind of unclean energy. So, uh, Ryan, what ghoul shit have you been up to lately? Well, uh, so this week, um, the, the ghoul shit that I've specifically been up to is I decided to read The Off Season by Jack Ketchum. Um, which is basically, uh, it's sort of the Hills Have Eyes fanfic in a lot of ways, where it's sort of like there's uh, five uh, young adults who go to Maine to this little vacation home, and it's sort of based on, are you familiar with the leg- the, the legend of Shawnee Bean? Um, yeah, I love, uh, I love old Shawnee Bean. As a Firefly fanatic, I'm especially... Uh, into him because that's what reavers are based off of absolutely yeah and and so yeah and so for for um those of you who may not know uh shawnee bean is basically it's sort of uh an racist english uh imagination of the scottish where there's like um you know if you if you travel past this one stretch of road in scotland there's this like cave dwelling cabal of cannibals which is way too much fucking alliteration and they um if you're traveling on the road they'll capture you and turn you into leather and eat you and so the off season is basically that. Um, and now the thing is, Jack Ketchum's writing is I like his style a lot, but especially when he's describing um, uh, his female characters, it's extremely. I don't know if you saw that thread going around like describe yourself the way um, a shitty literary male author would describe you, and it's like she breasted boobily down the stairs. <laughs> And, you know, she, like, constantly admiring herself in the mirror, and that's, that's, like, every female character in this thing. Um, But, like, I don't know, Jack Ketchum, I think my thing is that I'd been wanting to read this book forever, um, and I figured quarantine was as good a time to do it as any. Um, It is, it is fucking rough. There is, it's, it's gory in a way that's sort of joyless, which I kind of appreciate, because, like, sometimes... I don't know. It's like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, right? Like, that's coming out in the mid-80s amid the slasher craze, and everybody else is doing, like, fun slashers, and then Henry is like, hey, what if this is actually heartbreaking and gruesome and awful? And so it's, yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, um, I've never read, uh, is it The Girl Next Door? Yeah, The Girl Next Door. But, um, I know what it's about. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was his, like, Enter Sandman, where, like, that's the one that everybody knows is the girl next door. He, I don't know, he got a Stephen Kingbler for, um, 
the offseason, but I also feel like at his age, Stephen King must just, like, recreationally do blurbs every morning. Yeah, that guy just cranks them out. He will yeah, I mean, say, like, I read it. <laughs> it was <laughs> a standard length of book. <laughs> this reminds me of, like, my favorite blurb ever from Stephen King, which was first season one of Veronica Mars, and on the DVD case, it's just like, I can't stop watching this show and I don't know why, which is, like, the best. I, I think it's the highest uh, uh, recommendation you can get is... I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's great. I couldn't tell you why. I just cannot stop watching it. Uh, what so, ghoul shit have you been consuming in quarantine? Um, so, uh, the kind, kind folks at Mill Creek Entertainment sent me the Blu-ray of Ultraman Orb, which is Ooh. so perfect for quarantine because the Blu-ray contains the entire series and the movie, which is like the major oh, TV movie like finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is amazing. So, have you ever watched Ultraman? No, no. Well, no. The thing is, I saw Ultraman when I was a kid, uh, yeah. but I don't think I saw Ultraman Orb. So, Ultraman has been going since the '60s. Oh wow! No and shame. each Ultraman is like a different guy that gets the power to transform into a giant alien to fight big monsters. So, very Tokusatsu. Kind of Power Rangers. Oh, yeah. Power Rangers is is what more people are familiar with in America, but Ultraman is its own thing. So see, Ultraman... I was a I, I was a superhuman samurai cyber squad uh, booster as a as a young child, but obviously I was into like you you sort of couldn't not Which be into Power Rangers. Is Ultraman, if I do recall. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad and Ultraman look basically identical. It's sort of like Black Cat from Marvel and Catwoman from DC. No, I'm pretty sure uh, Superhuman Samurai is one where they just took clips from Ultraman series and just added American actors to it. That, I that I assume that was like most like Saban uh, American TV in the 90s. Big Bad Beetleborgs. Um, Tattooed Teenagers from Bev- Beverly Hills. Yeah, um... There are fucking uh, oh VR troopers. My absolute favorite VR troopers is um, a whole bunch of different series stitched together. I remember, yeah, VR troopers. That was like the uh, I remember that was the the sort of grittier show when I was a kid. It was like, oh shit, we're doing like virtual reality sequences. Also, that theme song fucking slaps. Also, if you recall, the main villain Darkheart is the main hero's dad, and it's just him processing dad issues through the (laughs) whole series outstanding so, so yeah so you got so you, wait so you got the movie of ultraman orb so ultraman orb it's everything it is the series oh. and the movie in one box set so uh as tokusatsu goes i think you are uh, more of a, a, a tokusatsu head than i am how how does ultraman stack up do you think um, this is particularly good. We're probably going to have to at least rank the movie eventually. So what sets mm-hmm. this series apart from the others is it's like the... It's it's four fans that have watched the show for the entire time because Orb's power is this guy has this little... It's an orb. It's a ring that he holds. And he puts Ultraman trading cards into it and he mashes up the Ultraman. So like oh, wow. there's Ultraman, Ultraman Leo, Ace, Seven, Mibius, just you know, like twenty years of Ultraman. So what right. he does is each 
episode, there's a new alien that he's got to beat. So he just takes two of the Ultramen that people have seen and mashes mm-hmm. them up. And it's a new costume each week because they literally are taking parts of two costumes and sticking them together. Oh, wow. So the costume department was like the bulk of the budget for this show, probably. Yeah. And the best thing is the big bad villain is named Juggless Juggler. And if you look in the show notes, he's a sloppy bitch who lives for the drama. (laughs) He's always wearing hyper-tight, tailored suits. He's got floopy Shinsuke Nakamura hair. Um, And he also can turn into an evil version of Ultraman. And he uses trading cards of all of the famous Ultraman aliens, which we have 20 or 30 years of. So he's like, I'm going to take the crab claws of Crabmon and the guns of this gun alien, and now I'm a crab with guns. Uh, I'm obsessed. This saucy little pose this guy is doing, um, yeah, yeah, he's perfect. And he and I has a katana thing. for no good reason, and he's always up to shit. Even in the, my favorite thing about this series, Ryan, is the ship mm-hmm. between Ultraman and Juggler. Because they're like two sides of the same coin, and Juggler's always oh, yeah. like Juggler's not inherently bad. He's just fucking around. So even in the movie, right. he teams up with Ultraman, and he's like, "I don't really want to work with you, Juggler, but I need you to help me defeat this new enemy." And he's like, "Okay, I don't have anything else to do. Sure." <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I feel like growing up with Final Fantasy VII, like Sephiroth, I'm I'm permanently doomed to ship. Like we're two sides of the same coin, kind of things. Like that and Buffy with Faith and Buffy. It's yeah, yeah. Oh, and I forgot great. to mention um, during the day, the human persona of um, Ultraman hangs out with a internet. Um, news blog who reports Mm -hmm. on paranormal activities so they're running like a news website out of their garage and they're just writing articles about all the monsters that are attacking the city (laughs) see that's this is like the version of how like it really has to fucking suck to live in gotham city like it's it's you're just trying to make it through the day and some fucking weirdo dressed like a clock decides to roll up on your subway like you're just trying to order a sandwich and then this is this is what you have to deal with like writing constant articles about the weird shit you see every week and what's great about it is like Ultraman's keeping them in business but like only the female lead editor knows that this guy is Ultraman and he's always like it's a very Peter Parker um Spider-Man or Clark Kent Superman Oh man, oh, you yeah. just missed Ultraman. He's like, I guess I'll have to see him next time. <laughs> so hey, I heard that Ultraman is a pretty cool guy, and he's just like constantly putting himself over. And yeah, but Ryan, that's what I've got yeah. to watch Ultraman Orb, if not for Juggless Juggler alone and his saucy shenanigans. I mean, the thing is, his name is Juggless Juggler, and he looks that saucy. I have no choice but to stand. Oh, and he's I don't, he could be doing more like crimes. in very Japanese melodramatic style. He's constantly standing in a dark corner, like licking a samurai sword and sniffing oh. a rose. So he's doing like the anime <laughs> villain thing where he's always like sniffing a rose and his eyes are shut and he's speaking very softly and yeah. yeah. And then he like flips out his orb and um, <sighs> does that. Oh, and good Hell news: yeah. there's also a prequel series about Juggles and. 
um, Ultraman getting their orbs. So there's a second series of the sexual tension of these two men uh now we're talking powers well all right so you know what i'm we're in a quarantine anyway i yeah this is a wonderful time for me to fucking figure out what tokusatsu is all about because like our friend friend of the show evan is so into tokusatsu and evan is such a delight that like i have enjoyed tokusatsu but i feel like i haven't you know, fully swan dived into it the way I want to. So this is this is a good impetus to do that. Yeah, and and the nice thing about it is because this is a show for children, and it's also a show that makes its money off of making people interested in this back catalog of of IP. Every mm-hmm. episode they explain the references for the show that was thirty years ago. So they're like, if you notice this version of Ultraman is Ultra 7 who is from this planet and showed up at this point and this joke is funny because it's a reference to this alien so like at the end instead of like an after school special they just explain the references to this show oh so so I thought you were saying they, they did it in real time they give footnotes at the end of it at the end of each episode just like collect the trading cards they're like this week the ultraman featured was from 1980 um and the alien was this one that first debuted in 1972's episode da, da, da. well that is fantastic all right so so all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna take the plunge with ultraman um god damn i'm i know that i'm gonna be watching it on my laptop specifically because like in quarantine um, Sarah and Christina and I have all become very sort of like we've we've figured out our routine uh, for watching stuff on TV. And my thing is like when I when I watch horror, I usually watch it while I'm in the bath so that I like can watch my horror without uh, you know anybody else having to watch the the horrible shit I put in my eyeballs. Um, but so speaking of horrible shit I put in my eyeballs, uh, let's let's dive into our first movie for this week, which was 1988's Waxwork. Man, so IMDb claims this is a comedy, and I cannot figure out <laughs> if this How? is a case like The Room, where they made a sincere and earnest film, and based off of the reception, mm. they did the author's gambit and said, "Of course, it's a comedy." Oh, Ooh, they did. They pulled a. They pulled the Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, or a, a troll too. That's uh, you know what it does start out. I wonder if now the movie the movie starts out uh, with now we should actually give a brief description of the of the plot for those of you who haven't seen it. It's basically <laughs> it's it's uh, like what if we just threw a bunch of really cool special <laughs> effects together and on like a demo reel. Yeah, yeah, and so it's basically um, there's a guy who runs a, a wax house, and he's played by uh, immortal character actor David Warner, who I would say is like top tier. Oh shit! Now we're talking. Uh, character actor shows up in a thing. I am always excited up there when with that... Lance Henriksen. Absolutely, Lance Henriksen popping up like he. David Warner has been in so many things. Um, but primarily, I remember him as a kid from, um, he plays the scientist in uh, Teenage, Mutant Ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. Um, he's, he's just been in fucking everything. He basically plays evil Willy Wonka, where he's running this wax house, and these, uh, these kids sort of walk by, and he's like, yeah, you should come to my house for a, for a midnight showing of wax statues, which, like, okay, you're like, yeah, sure, you know, why not? And, and so when you show up, 
he's got these displays that are obviously just people posed like wax statues. And when you step into a certain exhibit, um, everything becomes real and you get killed by whatever. Uh, it's like if a shoebox diorama could eat people. Yeah. So there's a. So what we get are these really awesome, like, now for this two minute sequence, it's just the best part of a vampire movie. Yeah, it's uh, sort of it's that it's um, you get the guy uh, the guy that played Bobby uh, Briggs on Twin Peaks uh, with his floppy dick hair and he shows up and um, he has to hang out with a werewolf who's like it's a guy turning into a werewolf and it kills him and then when it kills him he's just like frozen there. Now the kids in this movie I would say on the killability scale they rank pretty high. Oh yeah, I mean they they went to a wax museum at midnight right yeah have you ever been to a wax museum i have been to madame tussauds once nice. um yeah yeah and this was when i had first moved to los angeles and was just kind of like you know seeing what's what and um it honestly wax statues i here's i don't understand why we have them i don't know how they started i don't know who was the first maniac who was like what if i sculpted a lifelike person out of wax um it's it's like if listen if wax statues did not already exist and somebody said hey I made a wax statue we would think they were fucking crazy right what wax what is wrong with you you don't have Here. enough candles <laughs> yeah I, I made a Crisco person and you're like that's this is fine and normal um, David Warner's costume by the way is excellent he is he looks like. A, a rogue McDonald's villain. Like, he, he's got a purple and orange, like, weirdo pirate costume. Uh, and he just looks absolute, absolutely like the kind of guy who runs an evil wax museum. Like, he's he's just doing so much in this. And, and so, um, this movie also has a weird thing with Nazis. Yes. Um, yeah, so there's... Um, <laughs> It's it is it is it is fucking uncomfortable. Very, There's... But to be fair, it's a very 1998. What is the most evil thing we can think of? Yeah, and to be fair, I you know I, I wonder if maybe this this was that sweet spot in between the 1940s and like now when you know we didn't really think about Nazis so much on a day to day basis. I mean, um, wasn't it like four years earlier we had Indiana Jones just like whipping the shit out of Nazis? So then it's like, oh yeah, yeah. So like, you know how in video games now, like zombies are the de facto, or or robots are the de facto. You don't have to feel bad for murdering all of these people. So oh, it's for sure. Like Nazis. I mean, we grew up playing um, Wolfenstein's Castle. To be fair, yeah. And, and like, and when the new Wolfenstein games were coming out, do you remember the online kerfuffle from alt right dipshits who were sort of like, "Oh, I see now it's okay to just kill Nazis in a video game because they believe different things from you." And it was, I, I feel like I was trapped in hell for like three days, where like that was all I was seeing was the fucking like discourse from people who were upset that you kill fucking Nazis in Wolfenstein. It was a lot. Um, and so there's this college professor uh, in this who is super, super German. I don't think he's a Nazi. He's like a history professor. Or is he a high school teacher? Now, here's where that can split wrong really easily. Mm -hmm. That The whole, like, 
I just have this Nazi flag for history is the same mm-hmm. as like those bumper stickers you see in the McDonald's parking lot of actually here's every flag of the Confederacy, not just the one that everyone knows is offensive. <laughs> yeah, here's some here's like the B side from racism. Yeah, yeah, let me show you how racist I am. Uh, the worst kind of racist is a pedantic racist. You know, I honestly, yeah, it's like, that. that's kind of how I feel about dudes who get really pedantic about, like, gun facts when there's a mass shooting. And, you know, they're, they're like, talking shop about it. And it's like, why would I care about your weird little hobby? Like, why would I, why would I know about guns? But, yeah, like, when you're, when you've got a German... Nazi flag just just balls out in front of God and everyone uh, at your college slash high school classroom. It's never specified how old these kids are. They're that perfect like nine oh two one oh age of we we don't know what they're how old they're supposed to be. Yeah, it's like Return of the Living Dead levels of like eh, they could be seniors in high school, they could be in college. We don't really know. So there's a main character guy whose name I did not care to remember, who uh, he is, all of his friends get eaten by the wax museum, and so we get we get to watch, like, for some fucking reason, half an hour of this kid playing Columbo while he tries to track down where his friends went, and it bothers me on a level because I'm like, look, movie... I don't want to watch Dragnet. I want to watch kids getting murdered by Jack the Ripper. Like, I my, my needs are simple. That's the thing I want. So let's talk about each individual um, vignette. It's a lot. All right. So, uh, so it's revealed in the movie that uh, David Warner um, is sacrificing people to the different wax statues of the thing because the movie tells us that it will bring about, quote, the voodoo end of the world? You know. Okay. The voodoo okay. end of the You know, I'm not going to... All right, proceed. Voodoo end of the world. How do we do that, David Warner? And the answer is that you have to sacrifice 18 victims to, quote, 18 of the most evil people who ever lived. Let's run down this list of the most pe- evil people that have ever lived. We start out with the Marquis de Sade. Okay, that's a real guy. I don't know if he was like, top 18 worst people who's ever lived. He was kind of a cheesy little pervert. But then the plot thickens. We get some fucking random werewolf. We get Count Dracula. Now, and at this point, you're thinking, these are not real people who have lived. <laughs> ever. Um, ever. We get that. We get uh, a golem. Uh, we get uh, the Phantom of the Opera. We get the mummy. We get several zombies, which I guess count as, like, one guy. Yeah, yeah, they they equal one whole. Yeah, they they form like a like an evil megazord. I think of zombies that you just you attack them together, one evil guy. And speaking get... of forming together like Voltron, you have Frankenstein's monster, also <laughs> bunches of different dudes. It's it's hard to be a walking uh, shambling collection of corpses. Um, and then after that, you get Jack the Ripper. All right, now we're back to real people who have lived. Um. And then we get the Invisible Man. So we're basically just making our way through the Universal Studios back catalog at this point. It, it's like this director just had a stack of monster movies next to him and was just paging through and saying, hey, let's see your take of this. Or alternatively, he was looking at the um, effects <laughs> studios like portfolio and said, this one, this one, this one, and... <laughs> dealer's choice 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like ordering. It's like when you go and get a dozen donuts and you want like six or six or eight like high spots, and then you're like, eh, just get me whatever for the rest. Which explains why we get Snake Man because that Snake Man <laughs> is the coconut and peanut donut where you're like. No human mm-hmm. being ever willingly buys this. Why did you no. throw it into my mixed nuts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, the person who actually wants the coconut and peanut donut, antisocial behavior. Like, that's a fucking murderer just <laughs> waiting to happen if they elect to eat it above other donuts. Um, and then you get, a, I guess, a voodoo priest? Which, this movie's relationship with voodoo, this will be a controversial statement. Yeah, this movie plays it pretty fast and loose with its understanding of voodoo. <laughs> yes, um, an actual religion. <laughs> an actual religion practiced by many real people. Um, and then after that, we get a scary witch. All right. And then plot, and then uh, uh, the plot thickens because Rosemary's baby just shows up. Evil baby. And then an, an axe murderer, just a guy with an axe, he get you with an axe. And then... <laughs> We take a U-turn, an, an alien, just yeah, an evil... eyed ass alien. <laughs> Fuck. And then, all right, we've got two more to go. So at this point, you're thinking to yourself, all right, well, that's 16 of the most evil people who have ever lived that they, demand sacrifice. And they have leaned pretty heavily onto Nazis. So I guess I can guess who the last two are. Yeah, you would wrong. think, right? Yeah, at this point, you're like, okay, we haven't even... I know that at least half a dozen of the top brass of the Nazi party probably belongs on this list, but sure, I would settle for, like, Adolf Hitler, obviously, and then, like, I don't know, Gering Hess? No. Fuck that. Fuck those guys. We've got uh, the killer plant from Little Shop of Horrors, just this big-ass Venus flytrap, and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, collectively. (laughs) And these are the 18, I guess, beings that require sacrifice. Now, what's incredible about this, um, David Warner's reasoning for why he wants to bring about, quote, the voodoo end of the world, one of the characters asks him where he's like, why do you, you know, where uh, they, they're, you know, they're in this room, a giant battle breaks out between all the wax statues and, like, the local yokels that have decided that they're tired of this wax statue eating their babies. And that part fucking rules. Oh, dude, it's amazing. Like, you get just this huge fight scene with, like, Errol Flynn swordplay. You get the Marquis de Sade, who put all of his points in dexterity, I think. <laughs> he is hoo-hawing all over this movie with that See, sword. See, what's interesting is I would argue... Okay, so if you were to make uh, a, a a standard array D&D character... Mm-hmm. Uh, would you put all of your points in dexterity for Marquis de Sade or charisma? Oh man, he is a charmer. He is he is hooting and hollering. He is doing, man. Yeah, he's actually I, you've 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 convinced me. He put all of them into charisma with like a couple of points in in dexterity with like bonuses to swordplay. Um, <laughs> where like one of the one of the, his his girlfriend, I guess, or like one of the one of the female characters gets like. The reason that he uh, has to rescue her is because she gets uh, stuck in the Marquis de Sade wax statue exhibit, and he is just going to straight up torture her to death. 
and then you know, so they're they're having this giant battle, and David Warner, one of um, the main character, he's in a room with him, and David Warner says, "Small world," and this, and and then the guy says, "Then why do you want to end it?" And David Warner says without blinking, "Someone has to." <laughs> Which is just a great fucking response to why do you want to end the world? Like, nuke the whales? Gotta nuke something. This movie is completely insane. And it has a sequel. Oh, shit. Yeah, I saw that also on... So we watched this on Tubi. Which is doing the Lord's work during this most trying period of human history. Oh, I tell you what. Tubi's gotten a lot of use in, in my house because... The thing is that we're, you know, like we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're broke and we have an internet connection. So of course we're like, eh, do you guys want to watch this movie even though it has ads on it? Like, well, this is the only place we're gonna find sorority babes in the slime ball bolorama. So, yeah, yeah, that's all right. Um, now this movie is genuinely just a special effects, or not, or not even a special effects demo reel. This is a costume department given a plot. Yes. This is a movie whose sole purpose is, like, the director was like, well, I kind of want to do Night of the Living Dead, but I also want to do Robin Hood swordplay, but also sadomasochism. Like, the sadomasochism in this movie is completely bonkers. Like, and I know that it's a a B-movie called Waxwork. The level of, like, weird kink in this movie, it it is completely horny on main. One thing I want to point out is that the the werewolf design in this movie is pretty great because he's got weird little ears on wires that keep flapping throughout the scene. It is all I could look at. Yes. It's it's very it's post howling, but it mm-hmm. is very much just like little tufts. And it's I perfect. think I am team tuft. Oh yeah, yeah, firmly team tuft. Now, on our list at number 230, is the Paris Hilton vehicle House of Wax. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. I'm giving the edge to Waxwork purely because I feel like House of Wax, parts of it, I now, all right, it's been a few years since I've seen House of Wax, but the way I remember it is, or no, not a few years, excuse me, it's been literally two years since we watched it for this podcast. Um, it takes itself kind of seriously at at points, and I think that Waxwork is just shit the bed bonkers. Like, it is going for the thing it's going for. It doesn't necessarily know what the thing is that it's going for, but it's, like, figuring that out as it goes along, and I think that's beautiful. But I don't know that that makes it better than House of Wax. What do you think? I think it makes it better than House of Wax, but right above it are a series of other shit the bed wacky movies, uh, mm. namely Googlies at number 227. <laughs> Right, Toilet Gremlins. And Ghosts of Mars at number 228. Which yeah, which was initially meant to be a Snake Plissken movie, and then they got Ice Cube. Yeah. Um, and then right below that is the objectively great Night of the Comet. Yeah, so um, I'd say definitely oof. above House of Wax, but I'm really stuck with the company that this movie is with. Yeah, and right above all of this, I, I feel like is is for me one of the boss battles of the list. At two twenty five, we have Ravenous, which I just fucking adore that movie. I think this is well below Ravenous. I all right. So the the question for me, because I do think Waxwork is better than Night of the Comet, just for sheer like it is. It is a Friday night. I'm going to put on something uh, that I can giggle and clap at like a seal, 
before going to bed, and it's it's waxwork. However, Ghosts of Mars? Well, hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Ghosts of Mars or uh, waxwork? I think surely for new metal soundtrack, I'd go Ghosts of Mars over waxwork. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that was of a very specific time and place, I think. Oh, and, and the alien ghosts doing body modification. <laughs> yes, which I, I, I'm, I'm really into movies that are exactly what it says on, on the can. Because it's like, wait, ghosts of Mars? What, what, do the, what do they do? Like, oh, there's just fucking mean ghosts and they live on Mars and they want to murder you. Um, side note here, I think at some point it might be a stay tuned for, for uh, Rank and Vile. When was the last time you saw Queen of the Damned? Um, I don't believe I've ever seen it all the way through. Because <sighs> I gotta tell you, I, I, I've been wanting to rewatch it lately because, like, uh, it, for, for whatever reason, on my, like, goth rock playlist, one of the songs from that Jonathan Davis soundtrack came on. Um, and I was betrayed at first, but then I was like, oh, shit, this is kind of a bop, actually. So, speaking of, of early 2000s bops, um... Method Man uh, mm-hmm. was trending on Twitter, so of course I immediately listened to the Method Man uh, Limp Biscuit collaboration. Oh, and Together Now. Yeah, which was originally titled Shut the Fuck Up, but they couldn't get that uh, to play on the radio. I mean, that was pretty much the entire chorus, which is, uh, listen, it was, a, it was a different time. Honestly, yeah, I, we, we, should, we should definitely do Queen of the Damned at some point. Oh. Uh, because, listen, we've already done Night of Something Strange. We can deal with uh, Stuart Townsend being a bad actor. So, yeah, so coming in at our new number uh, 229, above Night of the Comet but below Ghosts of Mars, is Waxwork from 1988. Okay, so next we have When a Stranger Calls. This Blu-ray was provided to us by Mill Creek Entertainment. Um, and, man, this is a bad movie. It is just a stinker. So this is the original str- When a Stranger Calls, right, with Correct. Carol Kane? Yeah. You know, I think the problem with this movie is it was originally a short film that was just the first 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and then they, the director got a deal, and they had to figure out where to go from there. Yeah, and so, and, and the thing is, you know, even if a person has never seen um, a horror movie before, if I describe, if I say a movie called When a Stranger Calls, immediately they're like, oh, there, there's lady in house and the man he calls say, I kill kid in house. And lady, she call cops go, but man, call me. And cops go, man is in house. And that's the movie. It is genuinely just that. Yeah, it's not good. It's very bad. Um, the, but the problem is that that's like the first 15 minutes of the movie. It blows its load immediately. And then I think you're exactly right. Like they had to sort of figure out what to do with the other uh, 80 minutes of a movie. It's a very so, last 10 minutes of Psycho, except over um, <laughs> 60 minutes instead of 10, where they're just explaining the pathology <laughs> of the man who calls from inside the house. But why would yeah. a man call from inside the house? I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? Uh, there are so few mysteries left in this world, and that is one I am comfortable not exploring for 90 minutes. I don't That's exactly need to know what it is. why Norman Bates kept his mom's body. I don't need to know why Emily Grierson sleeps with Homer in um, A Rose for Emily. I don't need right. to know why the scary man 
is calling from inside the house or how you can call from inside a house with the same telephone. <laughs> that, that was the bit that always tripped me up was like, wait a minute, is this like the, the, the 50s where you've got like a party line and you pick up and anybody around can hear it? Like, now, and that's exactly, you're exactly right. Like, I don't know what the kidney thief's relationship with his fucking dad is like. I don't necessarily want to dive into the pathology of the man with the hook hand on the car door. Um, and I don't you, and need then, to know what breed they thought that capybara was when they when they adopted <laughs> it as a dog. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that's and so the problem is that you get that, but also um, Carol Kane, who deserved a better movie. Carol Kane is a great American actor. Like she's. I, I, I love Carol Kane. She's great in everything she's ever been in. And she is trying her best in When a Stranger Calls. Well, that's because they relegate her to... She's been in a mental ho- hospital ever since that fateful night. So here she is. Right. And then they're like, now let's let's look at what a the police officer is doing for the rest of this movie. Yeah, it's the it's the weirdest goddamn thing. And then, of course, by the end of the movie, they realize that it's a fucking horror movie and maybe something scary should happen. Um, and then, what, he breaks out at the very end and then there's another standoff and it's like, oh, no, the killer is harassing people on the phone again. You know, like um, you do. Like you do. It, it's, it, is, it is garbage. I think that there are certain movies like this. Um, I think... What was the term we came up with? Was it premature ejaculation? <laughs> Where, yeah, it's a horror movie. Either that or it's, you know, it's just a real two jump chump, you know? Um, I think The Hitcher with Rutger Hauer is like this for me. Where the first bit where the kid picks up Rutger Hauer and Rutger Hauer turns out to be a killer and, you know, he's about to get murdered. Deeply tense and upsetting. And then after that, it just turns into kind of a road movie where they're fucking around and playing grab ass on a highway. No, thanks. Um, but yeah, like when a stranger calls, it doesn't deserve to occupy the place in pop culture. It does. I think it was just the first one to do that urban legend in long form. Yeah. And I think that's why it it was a cash grab for this is a well-known story. So we're just going to use that to make some quick money. Oh shit. It's basically creepy pasta. It's old timey creepy pasta. Yeah. Like this is this is like if a studio acquired like the rake or slender man uh, and then which made... they have and have done. <sighs> I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, I the thing is that the, the the little girls stabbing their friend, I feel like kind of soured everybody. Slender mania sort of passed, I think. Yeah, and then those... as as Hollywood film studios do, then Hollywood is like, We're ready to release our Slender Man movie. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty pretty bad timing. Now, all right. So when a stranger calls, it's I guess the first fifteen minutes are fine, but and this is going to be a very silly nitpick of a very bad movie. The voice isn't even good. No, like it's not. Th- they didn't even get a convincingly creepy voice for the guy who's calling from inside the house. He sounds like the guy that you're that works at the bank, just sort of like yeah. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm not inside the house. I'm going to kill your kid. And it's just, oh, it's just a bad movie. So it's not damaging to society. <laughs> That's in true. The way it's not that like Luna de Miel is, is a 
damaging films. Right. Or Night of Something Strange or... Yeah, yeah. Any Wolf Creek 2 or any of that shit. Although Wolf Creek 2 is just bad. Um, all right, all right. So we are we are looking at the bottom of the list. Quincy, tell me, which which is a better movie? When a Stranger Calls or Shane Black uh, doing The Predator at number 439? Oh, my gosh. This is so hard because... Which is socially damaging because of its portrayal of autism. Yes, and, and that's what I'm saying is, like, The Predator is bad for humanity. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it, it is a net bad for people. Now, Mystery Monsters is just nothing. Yeah, Mystery Monsters is, uh, it's like, it's like a mouthful of silica gel, and there's, it's just, there's nothing there. Now, right above Mystery Monsters is, um, Hellraiser Inferno, which, which is, is certainly better than, than, um. When a Stranger Calls, because it has oh, for sure. uh, Cenobite tattoos and body piercings. Because, of course, everyone who tattoos is in in league with Cenobites. Oh, for sure. I Listen, as soon as I got my, my fucking nostril piercing, you get the newsletter. Like, you don't, you know, you, you don't want to be impolite and ask them to stop sending it. But, you know, you sort of just, you get, yeah, you got it. Uh, I think, I feel comfortable putting When a Stranger Calls, which sucks and is bad, above Mystery Monsters, but below Hellraiser Inferno at our new number 438. Yes, that sounds good. We have time to do some listener requests. Hell yeah. All right, all right, all right. Oh, Ninja Scroll. I have never watched Ninja Scroll. That was the one tape that wasn't in my lot of anime VHS that I bought from the... uh, the classified ads in middle school. Mm-hmm. Did you have ever told you that story? I don't think you did. I, um, in eighth grade, was reading the, the local newspaper, as one does. Right. And a guy placed an ad for anime VHS collection for sale. And my nice. dad drove me to some dude's house with a finished basement. And I bought a <laughs> tape of anime I bought a cardboard box of anime tapes for God. an embarrassingly large amount of money. <laughs> and it now, had Fist of the North Star and Vampire Hunter D and Akira and MD Geist and a bunch of other du- <sighs> um, Appleseed uh, and a bunch of other dumb shit, but not Ninja Scroll. So I've never Holy seen shit. it. Holy shit. You know what? I, I, I know, I, I, I hate to say these kids don't know how good they have it. But genuinely, like in the the battle days before Crunchyroll and instant streaming, this is listen, man. This is what you had to do. Fucking you had to simulcast. <laughs> Kids these days can watch <laughs> of the day it comes out, and we're we're making clandestine appointments with unsavory individuals just for like one bad copy of like Dirty Pair or and Ranma One Half that you're getting from like a hot. <laughs> A hot car in the mall parking lot. Um, all right, so so You're so definitely forty dollars at a Suncoast video for volume <laughs> five, and you don't have volume one through four or six through twenty. <laughs> yeah, we we had listen. We we did we did our fucking time. Um, oh, okay. Have you seen Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, the New Blood, the one with the telekinetic girl? 
let's do it. Um, I, that's the one with um, what's the guy's name? It's oh, not actually um, Jason. It's Kane Hodder. No, no, the like isn't Jason? Oh no, that's part Jason five. Borges. That's that's that's, that's that's part five. That's Roy. Yeah, Roy. Okay. So where would Here you put? Um, first of all, where would you put Ninja Scroll? Oh shit! Ninja Scroll is a stay tuned. I think we we should we should. It's horror enough to be on the list, and I would love to get your take on Ninja Scroll. And also, Evan, um, Evan requested it, and I'm I'm in, I'm inclined to 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 do this because it's just Ninja Scroll is such a. When I saw Ninja Scroll, I was at a sixth grade sleepover, and I think it actually gave my brain giardia. Like it was one of those experiences that were just. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would. So we need to. We should definitely do Ninja Scroll. I think on the list. We've also talked about Sci-Fi Network's Saturday Anime before, but on multiple occasions, the last mm. twenty minutes of whatever was being aired uh, made permanent wrinkles in my brain. Yeah, watching same. the it's... last thirty minutes of Akira, not knowing what it was. Um, oh, indelible mark! Just watching, fuck, watching his body just exploding into meat. Yeah, his arms just bifurcating into infinite toes. <sighs> Listen, I, you know, I kind of miss being able to be scandalized like that. Although I think the closest I've gotten doing this podcast was was Midori. Yeah, that that like works well. Uh, Midori was definitely of a part with there. not of Midori specifically. But other scandalous weird shit. So stay tuned yeah, for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, so Alistair Stewart, uh, who is just lovely. Hi, Alistair. Um, requested the relic. Oh, I love um, the relic. I fucking love the relic. Fuck yeah, the relic. That's one of those movies that I feel like it came out at exactly the right time, and it's just a perfect little pizza bagel of a horror movie. Which is why it's number two sixty nine. <laughs> Oh shit! I hadn't realized. Oh, we oh we did do that. Maybe I feel like because I feel like we've been talking about the relic for the last like three years. Man, we I've been talking about the relic since that day in elementary school when someone at the lunch table described to me the plot of the relic. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Wait, have you seen? Um, okay, so Alan uh, requests uh, Alan Cantinos uh, requests the Santa Clarita diet. Have you seen Santa Clarita? I've not watched that yet. Have you? It is a fucking delight. I love that show. Have you show. watched the um, entire series, like from start to finish? Uh, no, I actually, I'm a few episodes behind. Um, that was one of those shows that, like, in the middle of it, everybody at my house decided that we wanted to do a, uh, an NBC Hannibal rewatch. So we just kind of dropped it. But it's, I love shows, by the way, where um, it's about, for example, so you're familiar with the plot of Santa Clarita Diet, right? Yeah. Where, you know, Drew Barrymore becomes basically sort of a zombie, and Timothy Oliphant, uh, who has the the face and the hairline of an angel, um, he basically has to sort of, they have to figure out how to navigate their lives with her, like, insatiable desire to eat people. I I think that might be one of my favorite genres of horror is, ah, fuck, I crave human flesh. All right, we got to figure out how to make this work. And maybe that's just because, like, I'm a 33-year-old, but I, I love the idea of just, like, all right, you've sprouted toothed tentacles and all you do is scream but you're you're my husband and i love you so we got to figure this out um so we'll have to revisit that one once we finish the entire series because i don't think it's fair to to rank part of it 
agree. Oh, here we go. Uh, Anonymous on Tumblr uh, requested uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Freddy's Revenge. Have you seen the gay one? I have not seen the gay one. Ah, <laughs> uh, bummer. Okay. Uh, let me Have you look. seen it, though? Oh, I've definitely seen uh, Nightmare <laughs> 2. I'm sorry to oh just my God. call you out and be like, oh, if I know one thing about Ryan, it's that he, it's that they have seen the gay Friday the 13th. Oh, many times. Actually, you know what? If I can... Uh, uh, if if uh, All right, so actually, I'm cool with ranking this on the list uh, just based on my on my specific fucking enthusiasm for, for uh, Freddy's Revenge. I'm scrolling to um, the top. Oh, absolutely. This is one of those movies. Now, what's all right? So, uh, for for those of our listeners who, uh, and also one half of those who have not seen uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge, this is one of those movies that it's kind of the Top Gun effect, where like so many of the people involved with the making of it didn't know how gay it was, and the rest of the crew was like, "No, this is the gayest thing I've ever seen." Like it's it's like the beach volleyball scene from Top Gun levels of gay, and it's wonderful. Like, it's uh, basically uh, Mark Patton, who um, is just, he is tiny here and adorable, and it's about a family that moves into the Elm Street house um, after uh, Nancy's family has left it, and then, you know, wild shit starts happening, everything is melting, his dad is played by Clue Gulliger, who is just a fucking delight in everything he's ever been in, and... Basically, it's that um, you get lines like Jesse saying things like he's in uh, he he wants uh, he's inside my body and he wants to take me again, and it's you you know you see him saying these lines and you're like the director claims to have had no idea how fantastically gay this film is, and I kind of don't buy it. So, Nightmare Three is number thirty nine on the list. It's it's definitely not as good as Nightmare Three, um, but right below that is uh, The Lost Boys, which is another gay classic. Um, and I feel inclined to put this below The Lost Boys. Actually, scrolling down the list a little bit. To be fair, I also Predator's can't... Below The Lost Boys, which is also a gay classic. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Predator being below Lost Boys on our list should single-handedly uh, qualify us to get beaten up in a parking lot. Um, by by a high school jock. Now, actually, scrolling down the list, the original Nightmare on Elm Street is at number 47, and I don't think this is that good, Um, but you know what I do think it is better than is the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie uh, from 1992 at number 54. Uh, I do not think Freddy's Revenge is better than uh, the original Evil Dead. Yeah. Let's do um, do one one more request. Have you seen uh, Holidays? No, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the short film collection with um, which a clip from Kevin Smith. Oh, I didn't. All right, so I haven't seen that one. Do you want to do that one? Yeah, it's got um, the Valentine's Day. It's 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 again the the genre that horror is made for the anthology, and it's what if scary movies for each holiday. So for Valentine's Day, you have a girl that, like, cuts her heart out and gives it to the boy she loves. And St. Patrick's Day is that a woman gets pregnant by a snake in Ireland, and it's, like, pagan. And probably the most... They couldn't have just done alcohol poisoning? Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. Probably the most notable is um, the Easter one, where a kid sneaks out of bed... And meets the Easter Bunny, who has actual stigmata that excrete um, chickens. 
Holy shit. Yeah, it's very upsetting. And then Kevin Smith does, I can't remember what his holiday is, but it's just an ex- excuse to get that guy from YouTube uh, to have a um, vibrator rigged up to a car battery in his butt and, like, kill him <clears throat> with a, a vibrator. It's very stupid. So it's basically, this is just sort of an excuse to do sort of 15 festive ways to kill a human being. Um, I'd say wax work is probably better just from uh, from that. Now, where okay. it starts to break is around the actual short films, because we have some of these oh, individual yeah. short films that are better than this whole thing, this, this collection right. as a whole. Um, so I would say that it comes in around All the Creatures Were Stirring, which is that Christmas anthology horror movie. Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember that. Um, but I would say the one alien short from that is definitely better than the entire of Holidays. Side note, do you think that at a certain point they're just going to start like running out of bits of um, Twas the Night Before Christmas to use for a horror movie title, and there's going to be going to be one called Not Even a Mouse, and it's just going to be like a monster that is actually not a mouse, and it's just going to kill people? Oh man, that copyright, copyright, copyright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I honestly, it. I feel like with Christmas horror, I can't think of a lot of other genres that have like sort of, I don't know, like I feel like. I mean, they're like there are Christmas comedies, but for the most part, I feel like Christmas movies might actually be the main domain of horror. You know, horror and Hallmark really have it at odds with one another. They really do, and I think that they should make a Hallmark horror movie. I think we deserve that. I think Hallmark deserves that. So, Holidays uh, from 2016 is number 276 on our list. Hell yeah. And Elizabeth, thank you for um, uh, uh, requesting that. Uh, if you, uh, So if listeners have any other requests that they want us to talk about, um, you're going to want to put that either in our Ask box on Tumblr or uh, email it to us at rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Um, Quincy, where uh, can our listeners find us on the internet? We are tweeting spicy at Twitter. Um, our at is rankandvilecast at um, we're also on email, rangadvalcast at gmail.com. We have a Cosme um, that should be a post on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter and we'll announce the next time we're up at one in the morning watching movies online mm-hmm. and Hell click yeah. through to that. Um, we have a Discord. We have a Tumblr. Um, we have an Instagram, Rangadval. Uh, pretty much anywhere you look for us, Rangenval or Rangenvalcast. If there's somewhere where we're not, uh, you have our email address, so let us know. Let us know. Um, and then also, guys, um, if you uh, like what we do and you like listening to us um, talking about holiday horror movies and also um, the 18 uh, apparently most evil people who have ever lived that'll cause the end of the world, um, consider uh, leaving a five-star review on iTunes. It'll really, really help us sort of get up the bracket and, and get uh, our show out there a little bit more. Um, we love you guys so much, and we're, we're so glad that you listened. And yeah, so if you if you want to do that, that would be chill. Uh, but barring that, that is about all I got this week. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks.